We open our Bibles this December to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. We'll begin this morning in Luke 1 verse 26. If you're looking for that in the Bible that's right there in front of you, this is on page 1012. There are some who would argue that it's time to change the lyrics to Christmas songs. And I don't just mean to end the tedium of Mariah's All I Want for Christmas, or to treat Grandma just a little bit better in her encounter with the reindeer. And I'm actually fine with the needed adjustment to the creepy lyrics in Baby It's Cold Outside. I mean, we fear for her safety on that, on that first date. Say, what's in this drink? Okay, that's wrong. But there's some that argue we need to change the lyrics to our Christmas carols in order to be less offensive. Those who would make a theological argument that, that Christmas, well, the story is just, well, it, it needs to be cleaned up a little bit. I mean, some would say it's offensive to declare Jesus to be Lord. And so when we sing of him in a way in a manger, let's call him the little love Jesus, not the little Lord Jesus, because that would make us, well, people would have to bow before a Lord. Or some would argue that it's offensive to tell people that they're sinners, that they have done something wrong. We need a more positive, uplifting message at Christmas time. And so when we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we shouldn't say, God and sinners reconciled. Let's change it to, All the earth is reconciled. Now, actually, each of those changes remains true. Jesus is God's love displayed for us. It is true that through the ministry of Jesus, the, the gospel extends as far as the curse is found so that all of creation does find reconciliation with God. But, but you can't remove the offense of Christmas. We are sinners. We need a Savior, not just a sage who will distribute advice to us. The Christmas story is surprising. An angelic messenger Jesus, the Son of God, is born. And his mother Mary is a virgin. Yes, it's in these miraculous moments, even in these offensive moments, that we find our real hope at Christmas. So listen as I read the announcement of the gospel. This is in Luke chapter 1. I'll begin at verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the one to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Let's bow our heads in prayer that God would apply the reading and preaching of the word into our lives. Father in heaven, we have heard this story before. We've read these words. We, some of us might shrug and think, okay, this routine of Christmas feels old and stale. So Lord, let us with the power of your Holy Spirit see with fresh eyes the, the truth of your gospel. Lord, let us rejoice in this Christmas season, not only in the nostalgia, but in the true hope of the gospel. Lord, for those that feel the, the sorrow and sadness of, of this life in this season, remembering those that, that they've loved that are now gone, or feeling the weight of fractured relationships, let the, the announcement of the angelic messenger bring us hope today. Lord, we come needing to hear your truth in your word, so we come praying in the name of Jesus. Amen. The announcement of Jesus' birth comes as a total surprise to everyone in the story. We begin with the appearance of an angelic messenger from heaven. Look at, at Gabriel's greeting. Look back at, at verse 26. In the sixth month, now that's not the sixth month of the year, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, because we've jumped in in verse 26. So in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And listen to this greeting in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I mean, this is an unexpected message, and the recipient of the message is even more surprising to us. It's lowly Mary, a woman who is young, poor, from a town so small that you wouldn't even be able to find its little dot on the map. It's a town that we're told that's in Galilee. She's a virgin pledged to be married. From a worldly perspective, one commentator says she's a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. And yet God sent his angel from heaven to this woman because God's grace is for the lowly. God's blessing and favor come not to those who have made themselves great, but it's God's undeserved favor. His blessing upon even those that the world will look at and say, well, she has very little to offer. Mary is a recipient here of God's grace. That's what the angel says. Greetings, you who are highly favored. It's the same root word that we get the word grace from. It, it, you could translate it, Mary has been graced by God. She has received grace, chosen not because of her perfection, but chosen by God's grace. It's an unexpected message. Nobody was sitting around saying, isn't this about the time of year that the angels show up? No. I mean, 
Zechariah was just as frightened earlier in the chapter when Gabriel made an appearance. But it seems that Mary hasn't even heard the message yet. The, the news hasn't traveled from Jerusalem up to the tiny little town in Galilee. So she doesn't have any expectation that someone would come and announce to her, let alone an angel from heaven's throne room sent by God with a message that she is one who has received grace from God, that she is the one that, that God says the Lord is with you. God's grace, not only for Mary, but for us, for all who in humility hear the message of the gospel. Now, the angel's message was meant to be comforting to Mary, but it still troubles her. And, well, that makes sense, because it's an angel showing up to make an announcement to her. It really wouldn't matter what he said. If an angel showed up and said, well, the traffic from, from Nazareth down into the Tiberias is, is a little bit slow today, I mean, it, it, the, the message itself wouldn't have mattered. She would be frightened no matter what he showed up to say. Because an angelic warrior from heaven is now face-to-face -face with a peasant girl in Galilee. And yet she's troubled at his words. What kind of greeting is this? The greeting itself, though, is troubling. Greetings, you who are highly favored. To a girl who would say, no, 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 that's, that's not how people describe me. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Not where I grew up. Not where I'm from. Not the dowry price that my dad paid. I mean, I bring very little with me into this life. And yet you say to me, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. See, the surprise here is both in the message and the messenger. Fear of heaven's power, but surprise at the message from heaven. And the announcement that the angel brings is, is, the greatest, is the announcement of the greatest event in human history. Because he tells us of the greatness of Jesus, that the Son of the Most High will be born. God's own Son is coming to earth. And so this is good news, not merely for Mary, but for all of us. Which is why John writes this down for us, so that you and I can hear the angelic report. The angel says to her, First, he calms her fears in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. He's repeating what he had already said to her. You have been graced by God. You have been blessed by God. God is bringing a message of hope to you today. Gabriel continues in verse 31. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. Now, she would have known that name. She probably knew a kid that lived around the corner who went by that name. Or at least maybe the Old Testament version of it, Joshua. It's a name that means the Lord saves. Now, Matthew will make that explicit when he writes about the, the, the naming of Jesus so that we don't miss it. But even the name of Jesus is an announcement of what Jesus comes to do. He is the one who shows us the glory of God, that God is the one who will save us. And then we're told what Jesus will be like. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The greatness of this Son, a Son who by lineage would have very little to claim. And yet, because he is the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, the King of the universe, the Lord of all, he will be 
great. And God will give him the throne, the throne of his father David, because, well, Joseph is the descendant of David. And Jesus' reign, it's not just going to be for a lifetime. It's not merely a dynasty that will last to his son and grandson. What does the angel announce in verse 33? That Jesus will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. See, this is the, the story, the hope that the world has been waiting for. That, wait, something can be done about the mess, about the sorrow and the sadness. And oftentimes we, we run through life that we're, we're so busy, and maybe even this time of year it's, it's worse. I, I was joking with my kids this week. You know, since, since the, the birth date of Jesus is entirely arbitrary on the church calendar, I mean, like, we don't, we just don't know. Nobody wrote down, like, what day of the year he was born. Since it's entirely arbitrary, why do we put it in the last week of the year? Like, why make it go with, with year-end reports and, and annual meetings? And, like, why, why make it, because we just run through life at such a speed that we might not even realize we're, we're in need. We're, we're desperate for help. And yet maybe in 2021, we feel the weight a little more clearly the longing a little more. I mean, in 2020, we thought all we have to do is get through this year. Like once, once we get through 2020, we'll be good. 2021 will be our hope and our salvation. And yet here at the end of 2021, we think, well, that didn't work out well. Because I'm not sure, is this year better or worse than last year? Because we're people who need help, who need rescue. And, and that's what God says. The one I am sending will be great. The Son of the Most High, the Lord coming from heaven to earth, the Son of David, the Messianic Prince who will arrive to take the throne and reign forever. This is the one who comes. The angel's announcement is hope for us today. But then Mary asks a question. In verse 34, she says, how will this be? Now, it's not a question that exposes any lack of faith in her. Like Zechariah's question. Zechariah, when Gabriel showed up and said that you're going to give birth to, a, your wife will give birth to a son, Zechariah flat out says, nope, can't happen. Like, how is that even possible? That's nonsense. So Zechariah's response is a lack of faith. Mary's is not. She doesn't say, well, no, 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 no. Impossible, can't happen. She says, how? How would that be possible? She says, since I am a virgin. And this isn't accidental. That's actually how we were described, how she was described to us back in verse 27. That God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin pledged to be married. And the virgin's name was Mary. Three times in the passage, from the, the, the narrator, Luke, twice, and from Mary's own mouth, we find out she's a virgin. So Mary understands the basic biology of how this normally happens. Mary's mom had the talk with her. She's not surprised. She's betrothed to a man 
There's been a formal announcement, witnesses present, a binding legal arrangement, different than the way you and I treat in our culture an engagement. So Mary understands how this normally works. She knows that, that during her engagement, any, any sexual activity would be inappropriate. It would be adultery. She doesn't yet know her husband in the biblical sense. That's actually what she says. How can this be since I have not known any man? How can this be since I am a virgin? She says it directly. Now, there are many who reject the Bible's account right here and say, okay, well, this, I mean, this is just one of those foolish parts of the Bible. Like, this is clearly where they, they looked at ancient myths and thought, you know, let's, let's figure out a miraculous birth. Let's, let's throw in the detail that she is a virgin because that, that will make it miraculous. And so, so since we know that a virgin can't be pregnant, can't give birth, and this story must have been made up. It must be invented. It must be mythology creeping into the history of Jesus. But Luke, who wrote this down for us, is a careful historian. And also remember, he's a doctor. Now, I, I wouldn't trust him the same way I trust a, a modern doctor to cut me open or to diagnose all of my problems, but I'm fairly certain that he understood the basic biology of how a woman gets pregnant. And Mary herself understands that this is how it normally happens. The virgin birth is a miracle that preserves Jesus and keeps him free from the guilt of human sin. So even if you doubt Mary's knowledge, which I, I don't think you have reason to do, we can trust this account. Jesus is the Son of the Most High, but we need him to be a human Savior who can die in our place. But a Savior born of Joseph's seed would bear the guilt of Adam's sin. And so the miracle of the virgin birth brings us a Savior who is able to save us. Mary asks, how? And so God answers through his angel. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That the glory of God will descend upon you miraculously. We're, we're not given the, the medical account, the biological account here. We're given the theological explanation. Just like the glory of God descended upon the temple and overshadowed the people of God in the Old Testament, so God's glory will overshadow you here. Luke gives us a, another account of the glory of God being overshadowing the world. In, in Luke 9, Jesus goes with three of his disciples, Peter, John, and James, up onto a mountain to pray. And while they're on the mountain, while Jesus is praying, we read in, in Luke 9, 29, that, that the appearance of Jesus' face changed. His clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And then miraculously, two men from heaven, the prophets Moses and Elijah, appeared with Jesus in glorious splendor. They spoke about the ministry of Jesus, his departure back up into heaven after he fulfilled his work in Jerusalem. And, and we're told that while they're there, after Peter says, you know, like, let me build some shelters here, like, we can, we can make this work. I mean, you guys have come a long way. This is what we read in, in Luke 9, 34. While 
While Peter was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The the language there of this cloud of God's glory enveloping them is the same word that that Gabriel used to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that the cloud of God's glory would envelop her, that Mary would, would be filled by God's power with the glory of God because God would bring forth this miraculous conception, the birth of Jesus the Savior. God has chosen a humble girl from Nazareth to bring about the miracle of the birth of Jesus. Now, if God was looking for the most holy person, perhaps he would have gone and chosen a priest. Maybe he would have found a a prophet or maybe a kingly descendant of David. But none of them would do us any good. A king is no help. A prophet can't help. A priest is useless to us. Why? Because we need Mary. We need a mother. A priest can't help. A prophet's no good. A king is impotent in the face of our great need for a savior. Now, sometimes the Bible is criticized for the way women are viewed and treated, even here. Even though Mary is a willing participant, it's sometimes claimed that the Bible treats women as lower class citizens. And yes, The church historically has harmed women with unbiblical views. But Mary is not taken advantage of here. She understands what will happen. She received grace from God. And God honors all women through this woman, Mary. We need a woman to give birth to the Savior. Okay, I want to say this directly to all of the women, all of the girls listening. You were made by God in beauty, power, and dignity. Your body matters. Your female body matters to the Lord. Now, I want to be careful here, because I know that sometimes my tone, just like in general, like implies sarcasm or cynicism. There's nothing facetious in what I'm saying here. And I'm not reducing the beauty and power of women to your role as mothers. I know some of you long to be mothers. I know some of you struggle as mothers. And maybe you think I'm not the right person to be saying this to you today. That as a woman, you are beautiful and loved by God. I'm a pastor in a church committed theologically, to the truth that only men can be pastors. I've never feared the risk of an unanticipated pregnancy. And given my physical stature, it's rare that I am afraid for my physical safety. But look at the scripture text today. My salvation is dependent upon the dignity of Mary. A king has no womb to bring forth the Savior. The high priest himself would be useless to me. 
but the Holy Spirit performs a miracle. The conception is miraculous. But the growth of the child, the birth of the child, that's natural. That's what her body is meant to do. See, the miracle of Jesus' conception is impossible from a human standpoint. To involve a man destroys our hope. The seed of Joseph brings the guilt of Adam. It would be impossible for us to make sense of. And yet, what does the angel say to her in summary of what he's announced? For nothing is impossible with God. Now, this is the exact same phrase in the Greek, from the Greek translation of, of Genesis 18. And, and this wouldn't be lost, maybe even on Mary herself. Now, to be fair, she's completely surprised by having an angel appear in her room, so maybe she didn't make the immediate connection, but, but Luke, sitting with her, makes the connection directly. When God says through the angel, for nothing is impossible with God, that's the exact same message that God spoke to Abraham when God announced to Abraham that his wife would give birth to a son. Now, that happened naturally, biologically speaking, but miraculously from the point of view that, that both of them were too old for that to be possible. And in the face of Sarah's laughter at this announcement that, that wait, me? God says to them, is anything too hard for the Lord? Which in the Greek translation is the exact same phrase that Gabriel gives, for nothing is impossible with God. It's the same meaning and message that Jesus announces of, of how would it be possible for anyone to get into heaven after this rich young ruler has come and, and shown his greatness, that he's kept all of the commands of God except the command to, well, love God above his own wealth. And Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, tells his disciples that, that well, with man that would be impossible. A rich man can't get his, himself into heaven, but with God, nothing is impossible. That's the message that, that the angel brings to Mary. She would give birth to the great king, the son of the Most High, the one who would reign on David's throne. Do you believe it? I mean, do you believe the message of Gabriel? Mary did. She doesn't doubt. She responds in faith, even though this will be costly to her. Think of what everyone else in her town will say about her, her son, that bastard child without a father. Or if, if they assume that it's Joseph's son, well, then they know she's a filthy sinner, one who committed adultery before she was married. I mean, who is, poss who, is, who is going to believe her excuse? No, no, no. God himself overshadowed me in his glory. The son will be your king. And yet here, Mary is given to us as the model disciple 
in response to God's grace. She hears the announcement, she believes it, and she responds in action. Look at what she says in verse 38. After giving the explanation, when she asks the question, how is this possible? She gets an explanation that is way bigger than any of us could have possibly imagined. Just like God came down in his glory at the time of Moses, so God will come down in his glory now upon you. You will give birth to a son, the son of God. The angel's message is true. Jesus has come to be our savior, the one who would give his life for us because in his death, we will find forgiveness. Jesus proves to us that God saves. Mary receives God's grace. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Mary hears the message and responds by faith. She receives the grace of God, the undeserved blessing and favor of God that is given to her we too can receive this grace. Do you believe in the Son of God? Because when we hear the promise of the angel, the Lord is with you, we know it in all of its fullness. Not just that God is theologically with us or conceptually alongside of us, but that God came in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, to suffer and die for us. We know the, pro the fullness of this promise. The Lord is with you. And so we too receive grace from God, the blessing of God. The Lord is with you. And we know the fullness of this promise through the birth of our Savior. Let's bow in prayer as we come to the table of the Lord. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the ministry of the gospel, for the word uh, that we have read. Lord, for those of us who, who doubt the, the truth of this message, I pray that you would give us the faith to believe, the confidence to respond to this gospel message. Lord, for those who have listened, who, who carry the sorrow and struggle and weight of this life with them, that they would find in this this glorious announcement, hope and dignity and purpose for their lives. Lord, that we would, with open hands, receive your grace. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we come to the table of the Lord, to this table set by the, the, the purpose of Christ, this table which points us to his death and resurrection, that we would receive your grace. So, Father in heaven, we come praying in the name of Jesus. Amen.